Welcome to Let Fear Bounce, the podcast that sheds light on the transformative power of overcoming fear. And dogs and coffee will more than likely creep into our conversations. So join me, Kim Langling, the host of Let Fear Bounce, as I chat with folks from around the world who share their inspirational stories and how they've turned their fear into fuel for a brighter future. You're going to hear from folks just like you and me, people who have navigated challenges and unleashed their personal strength to craft a life filled with fulfillment and joy. So are you ready to be uplifted, inspired, and motivated to conquer your own fear and bounce toward a life that you love? I know that I am. So grab your coffee, sit back, relax, and let's get this show started. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I am so pleased that you are spending just a small part of your day with myself and my special guest today, John Gagnon. Now, he comes to us from Canada, Canada. I always say Canada when I was younger. He comes to us from Canada. He is a stand-up comedian who has been a part of the New York and Burbank comedy festivals. And as a cartoonist and award-winning screenwriter, John has a knack for both short, concise, and longer storytelling style jokes. Now, he started comedy as a form of therapy after being attacked in a random act of violence, leaving him in a coma for a short period of time. Well, that's an interesting way to start the journey. By golly, John, welcome. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this because, you know, I don't think I've ever met an actual comedian before that does it, you know, that does it for a living. So this is kind of exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm happy to be your first. (laughs) Yay, me. So, all right, I do want to, you know, that's kind of a little uh, edgy there. You started this comedy part of your life as a form of therapy. Share share a little bit about that. Yeah, so there was a competition in Vancouver called the Yuck Off. Yuck Yucks is a comedy venue down here. And uh, I wasn't able to work. I was uh, not really psychologically even capable of leaving my house. Um, but I was looking for a reason to get out. And I was working with this great therapist, uh, Dr. Rosenblatt. Out of She's based out of Vancouver now, but from New York. And, you know, she helped me through a lot of the stuff. And when I saw this comedy competition, I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to talk about getting jumped and I'm going to make it funny. And that's going to be therapy for me when the, <laughs> when the crowd laughs. So I think there were 13 comedians in my round. And I think I placed 11th. <laughs> Uh, because most of the most of the audience, I hadn't, I didn't know that it takes you a while to create an act. It takes a while to create an act, and you know, years really. And so I just went up and tried to make a joke about about getting beat up and left in a coma. And the punchline: uh, there's a company around here called Drake Towing, and Drake's, of course, a famous Canadian uh, hip hop artist and actor. So my punchline was. Uh, you know, as I slipped into a coma, the last thing I could see was the sign that says mo- uh, parking monitored by Drake. And I was like, man, that guy does everything. <laughs> Singer, songwriter and parking lot attendant. And the crowd just stared at me because they just they were like, are you OK? Like uh, and so I hadn't figured out uh, how to make it funny yet. Um at the time. But what happened is someone in the audience, this guy named Daryl Lennox, uh, who is a, a blind comedian uh, who had been through a lot of trauma, 
he was in the audience and he told me that he couldn't believe that I had the guts to to try to tell a joke like that. And then he asked me uh, if I'd be interested in opening for him the next weekend when he was headlining the very club. So that was sort of the beginning of my journey. And since I've been doing it for nine years uh, and I've toured all over North America uh, with Daryl um, as his opening act uh, up to the point where now I am the headliner for shows locally and regionally in Western Canada. Uh, and, and that's opened the doors for me uh, in the States as well for comedy festivals and that type of stuff. How awesome. And then, you know, the, the gentleman that he heard you, because obviously you said he was blind. So he heard something yeah and you and thought you know what there's some potential there i'm gonna talk to this young guy yeah absolutely and his style was talking about like if ever you go look at daryl lennox who's his album i think was number one in, in the u.s last year um his album talks about a lot of stuff like that because he wasn't always blind he it was a uh something that happened over time so he used to make that funny so when he saw me try to do that, he goes, well, here's a guy who can open up for me. Here's a guy who can warm the crowd up to the idea that trauma and pain can be funny. We've all had trauma of some sort. I've had I've had my own, my fair share of it. And you, for me anyway, I have, you know, at times a bit of a dark sense of humor. Yeah. And it's not, my whole family does. And that's what actually gets us through is laughing through those dark times. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, and I think over the years of doing that dark material, as I mentioned it, I use it as therapy. So over time, it doesn't, those memories don't hurt me anymore. Those memories of like, I don't even really do those jokes anymore because there's nothing left for me to feel on them. And you really want to feel when you're on stage. So now, you know, I've reached a different part of my life. So my comedy is definitely more about that. Um, but at the time, that was what I felt. And that's, that's what I wanted to say. And it, it really helped me psychologically. So, you know, and in my opinion, I always tell anyone that's going through trauma or going through anything painful. Well, for me, the art was stand-up comedy, but it can be painting, it can be writing, it can be singing. You know, Taylor Swift is a perfect example. That's how she gets over all of her breakups is writing a new, <laughs> a new smash all song. Them, yes. <laughs> all 38 of them. <laughs> yeah, she's a busy young lady. Um, so you're you're at a different season in your life now and you said that your your comedy your jokes and things have shifted and changed a little bit what what direction do you do you see that now or i guess share what season you're in now yeah absolutely um my uh, i have a wonderful relationship uh with my partner emily who is a uh, she's a contemporary ballet dancer and we've been together for about nine years as well so a lot of the material that I'm writing these days derives from um, uh, our relationship. She's she's such a great person, and you know, I'm I'm okay. <laughs> so it's always fun to write from the point of view of you know of the villain, so to speak. Not that I'm a villain, but uh, so that's been a big part of my writing these days. And then just talking about, I think society has changed a lot over the last four or five years. A lot of movements, a lot of social movements have, have taken place. Society is trying to auto-correct and uh, they're correcting wrongly on both sides as a balance. So it's uh, uh, myself, I, 
I'm not a very politically fueled person. I've always just thought like, just be a good person. Um, so uh, you I'm should right need- there with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> right. So when you see these people go on extremes, it's always fun to stand in the middle and just point out how far everyone is going. So I have a lot of fun with that as well. I was going to say that could, that could uh, just, it's well, literally you can turn on the TV and you've got material. Absolutely. Yeah. I think everyone wants to do the right thing, but I think everyone's just a little excited right now as we. Uh... <laughs> That's such a nice way to say everything. Yes. They're just a little excited. They just, <laughs> they'll settle down. I remember in the early nineties, I mean, I was a young kid then, I think I was only five years old, uh, but in the early nineties, I think we had a big autocorrect then as well. And, uh, and that's fun to think back on. I mean, I can never joke, make jokes about that because it's just too long ago. No one would remember or understand it, but there was a big correcting there in the early nineties that reminds me of today. So what is your, what do you see as your ideal audience? My, my ideal audience is probably around, uh, a 25 to 55, uh, middle-class with that dark sense of humor that you're talking about just a little bit because sometimes I'll say some things and I'll see someone in the front who's very polished and I just go I'm so sorry <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a joke about someone who jumped I, I had a joke about uh we have two bridges in our city and there were suicide jumpers on both and I started off getting empathy from the crowd on how sad the situation is, but then I ended up flipping it to how inconvenient it was for me because there's two bridges and hopefully we can figure out a way to get them to jump off the same bridge so that I'm not inconvenienced. So we have a good fun time with that. And I find lots of positives, like maybe the two off the same bridge realize that they love each other. And, you know, that's a meet cute moment. And they have a child and then they name that child after the bridge and they go on to live. And then I go, or worst case scenario, they jump off the same bridge and I get to go to my appointment on time. So it's a very dark joke, which a lot of people love. <laughs> and I, some people are just like, oh my goodness. I think it's funny. And I guess, you know, also it would depend. I don't know. I guess it would depend on your mindset at the time that you're hearing it. Of course. And I think I like to play on that, that as humans, like we really intend to be nice and we want to be good, but deep down, we always have this selfish thought that comes up first that you have to suppress. And I like playing with that idea. I think those, <laughs> there's another comedian. Do you know Tom Segura? Of course. Yes, absolutely. I find him hilarious. Yeah. He's awful. <laughs> Some of the stuff that he says is just awful. And I find myself laughing so hard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's bringing out that little devil inside Kim. Everybody yeah. has that person, that little yeah. voice that you're saying, you know, like the people on the bridge. Oh my gosh, yeah. now I'm going to be late. Are you kidding me? The whole bridge <laughs> is shut down because this person doesn't yeah. want to live anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, it's dark. But no one, if anyone ever tells you that they've never had a thought like that, I would think that they're lying. But then there's always that one person in the front of the crowd that so you could just see they're just so sweet. And you're like, I'm sorry. And that joke's not <laughs> you have to for apologize. you. <laughs> and I'm like, the rest of the show might not be for you either, but we'll get you <laughs> tickets to the next one. Right. Well, that's a nice way to put this show just might not be for you. And that's what and that, you know that's what, what? The that's are. okay too. Absolutely. 
And I, I mean, that's something that actually gets me pretty fired up is when people say, oh, this person's not funny or this musician's not good. I've, I've heard a few times people say like, oh, Kevin Hart's not funny or Hannah Gatsby's not funny. And then I'm like, well, they're selling out full stadiums. Right. So obviously they're pretty good at what, what they do. They're not funny to you. That's your right. opinion. But you're not the end all be all judge of what is or isn't great. Right. No, yeah. I completely agree. I mean, it's the same, you know, as an author, not everybody is going to like what I read, write. Not everybody yeah. is my reader. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. Yeah. We don't want everybody to like everything. How boring would the world be? Yeah. If everyone was the exact same and every, yeah. every radio station was just playing the same six songs. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, to me, it was just, you know, the sound that comes to my mind is like Charlie Brown's mom. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. And that's all you would hear all day, every day. How boring. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, and that's don't the point. You want to be when, Charlie Brown's mom. Exactly. That's the point I make when I go, well, we'll get you tickets to the next week because that's a different voice and maybe you'll like that one. <laughs> Very nicely done then. See? Yeah. For myself, I have a sort of a tribe mentality when it comes to comedy. So I, you know, like we all have different voices. We all bring different things. But as we're all on the same team of selling the idea of stand-up comedy, so. And I think this is just my opinion, obviously, the world needs more laughter. Absolutely. Yeah. Because everybody's taking everything way too seriously or they're twisting it and turning it, whatever it is that they're doing with it, whatever it may be to whoever it is out there. I mean, you know, you've, you've got to just take a deep breath folks and smile. You've got to laugh at the absurdity of life. Absolutely. And how important people think things are is to me is the most absurd thing. You nailed it right there. You nailed it. How important. Yes. So many things that you lose sleep over or put so much energy into. Is it going to matter tomorrow? Yeah. Like, I think, I think there's a, there's like a little patch of construction outside my building that's been going on for too long, according to my neighbors. And it ruins their day. And I just think that's so funny that the last 10 seconds of their commute will ruin their day when we're just like, we're basically ants on a rock floating through infinite space. And there, there are certain <laughs> parts of the world that, you know, have to walk miles to eat. But no, yes, those eight seconds. Uh, so the laughing at the absurdity is very important because it, it doesn't take away from what they feel. What they feel is very real. <laughs> so, yes. so that's why yes. you should laugh about it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't let it bring you down. Goodness. There's, there's too many, there's too many bright spots throughout yeah. the day, you know, and if you, if you keep those, you know, those blinders that they put on horses, you know, like the Amish have those blinders on their horses all the time. <laughs> it's like, everybody's walking around with those. There's color out there. Take your blinders off. There's color and goodness and laughter and fun out there. Yeah. My advice from a, as a community point of view is go back to the, to the joke where with the, with the bridge, it's like, be mad about it, but then make, make it laugh, then laugh about it and then move on. You know, it's okay and to that's feel. The key. Yeah. Then move on. And move on. <laughs> Cause Don't it's not it that settle. bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, that's right. Don't let your angst and anger settle on you. No, don't let it take up your day. Like, don't don't go to sleep angry. Like, there's just no point, especially not for most of us. I mean, obviously, some people out there have it very tough, and I don't want to take away from those people. But yes, for the most part, we're all right. That's right. We are. We're all just a little skewed. <laughs> just a little skewed in our own way.
just a smidge. And, you know, and I don't, I, I, I freely admit it and, you know, just like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm a little out there. And I, you know, I live in my own little realm. I'm the queen of it. And I like my realm. I like, I like that. You're you the know? queen of your own realm. That's, that's right. That's darn good. it. <laughs> that, you know, what that reminds me of is someone told me one time they go, oh, if you're the biggest uh, fish in a pond, go to a bigger pond. And I was like, I don't know. What if you're the what if you're the most middle fish in a pond? Can you go to a smaller pond? <laughs> can you go can you go be the king of a small pond? Like, can we go both ways with that metaphor? That's a good comment right there, actually. I never thought of it either, because I've heard that before too. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't <laughs> I want to be a bigger fish? So I'm gonna go to a smaller pond. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna be the biggest pond and I'm gonna be the the king or queen of that pond. So, I That's don't know. It depends what you want. Like, what do you want? Do you want to be average or do you want to be the king? Like, I don't know. I'm the queen of my realm, dang You're it. the queen of that pond, right? <laughs> That's right. That is right. I like that little metaphor. Yeah, good one. Thanks for sharing that one. So how did you meet your significant other, a contemporary uh, ballerina, you said? Yeah, she's a she's a contemporary ballerina. I met her the old-fashioned way uh, on, on a dance floor at an Irish pub called the Blarney Stone. How fun. Yeah. 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 Which so a is ballerina, funny a ballerina to... and a comedian. Yeah, exactly. It's a, <laughs> and there's uh, for years, people were like, you guys should do like a hybrid show. And then we did it. And it was, it was crazy because I didn't know how powerful she was. She's so smart. And uh, so she's like, she, she choreographed the whole thing and then told me which things to do. And right at the end, she got me to do this very, very dark joke, very dark. Uh, but I had never really been able to successfully tell that joke. But the way that she'd built it up with the dance in between, we it, it had to escalate to something. So it escalated to this thing. And I remember the first time we did it, I just looked out at this audience and people were just crying. And I was like, I had never done that before. <laughs> and then after the show, people were hugging me like that, like we had a moment. And that was the first time I'd ever had such a like experience with an audience so it was really cool yeah ba dance and ball uh, ballet and comedy there is uh something there well and and dance it's it's so emotional yeah it, to me how i it is yes yeah. very emotional if you if you let yourself fall into it just like music that's what i always say or a good book and I, I that's how i always word it i'm like oh that book was so good i just fell into it or that song was just so amazing. I got goosebumps and I just fell into it. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing, like, you know, watching comedians, because I love watching comedians. Um, dry bar comedy, I've gotten, I've found some great ones on there on, you yeah. know, all these different streaming platforms. And you just fall into it because you need that. Comedy, I think, is needed. Comedians are needed. And I think it's an amazing art form that I don't think is recognized enough. It's it's on the up. It's on the up and up. I mean, the Golden Globes just announced their first uh, stand-up comedy award uh, this year. Uh, and that, so that went to Ricky Gervais. So that's something. It's a step in He's the right another direction. Another one that is brilliant at dark humor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think they said something like, Ricky Gervais, controversial comedian, wins award. And I'm like, if you're not slightly controversial, you're not doing it right. Right. <laughs> like, that's the whole who comes in and goes, ah, if the light is green, then you go. Like, that's not funny. <laughs> like, you can't just state facts. You have to be controversial. You have to be, that's the whole point of comedy. It doesn't have to be like, 
mean-spirited controversial, but it has to be unusual uh, and uh, unexpected. Most of it I found, or at least this is my perception, um, those comedians and more than likely yourself as well, you're not being controversial what you're what you're giving making a joke or building a joke about is true things that happen every day in people's lives they just don't want to admit it yeah and they don't want to they don't want to look at it in the light of day and those types of comedians are bringing that out and in essence they're putting a mirror up in front of everyone yeah yeah and it's a, and I think the guys that are deemed controversial are the people that are saying are putting that mirror up against things that we have all decided as a society that we shouldn't say. It's like, well, you shouldn't say that, or you do, you you can't say that. And I think the people that put the mirror up to those specific topics, they get deemed controversial, but they're not liars. They're not typically speaking, they're not liars. I'm I'm not going to speak on behalf of all comedians, but from what I've seen, it's always like. Seems to be some truth in there. Yeah, there's always those nuggets of truth in there. And that's, I think that's why I'm drawn to those type of comedians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're in your face. They're in and your they're face. Honest. Yeah. Yes. Honest and in your face. And I, I appreciate that actually a lot. Yeah. So how, where do you see your, your journey going from here? I mean, I, I've thought a lot about that exact topic. My old mentor, Daryl, he was always about, getting huge and, you know, being the next Kevin Hart and all that stuff. But for me, I think, I think my impact is going to be more community-based. I think that I like my life uh, in Vancouver and I don't necessarily love the idea of going from town to town. I didn't enjoy that hotel experience where you're just going to a new town, making new friends and then leaving immediately. I, th- I thought that was actually quite difficult psychologically. Um, so for me, I think I'd like to build and help, uh make this community bigger and bigger because vancouver is up and coming in comedy we've got the just for last that's starting to come here now for the last three or four years and there's no comedy club here because the rent is just incredibly high we're as high as like hong kong for uh, real estate so trying to figure out how to use my uh skills to create art spaces where comedy can can grow and thrive and and I think that I think I'd like to be a big builder uh, of comedy as I get older. So you in turn could be a mentor to those coming up then. I think that, yeah, I think that'll be uh, that'll be something in my future, maybe 10, 15 years from now when I'm in my 50s. I would like to start to mentor the next generation. Absolutely. So do you have an online presence or do you do shows online or? I mean, I have an Instagram. It does. OK, I think I have like 10,000 followers, which is, you know for for canada that's pretty good <laughs> i i'll post videos every now and again my little brother jay he he records me and then he sends me clips he goes oh this one was a good one this one's a good one uh personally i again i don't know why i just don't i have a little bit of trouble with trying to say uh this is good or you should like this or because we all have different opinions and so the things that blow up for me i'm always like i don't even think that was that great of a joke <laughs> yeah. And then the stuff I really love, I'm like, this doesn't even, no one even gets it. So uh, I've sort of passed that off to my little brother and he's edited maybe four or five of my clips. And 
I think three of the five have done very well on social media. So he, he takes care of that for me. But again, I think some people are, are chasing that, that celebrity or that fame. And I think I would just rather focus on the art itself and what it means to me and then hope that people like it, but not try the opposite, try to create something that people will like. Gotcha. You're riding the boat and seeing where it takes you. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know what, this year I've got, I've been invited to another comedy festival now in Texas. So I'll be going down to Texas and yeah. And those are based on the clips that my little brother's edited. So it's, it's been sort of just organically working out in that sense. Awesome. No, that's exciting stuff though. That is. Yeah. And it's, I think it'll be, I think, I don't know for me, cause I'm the same way with, with what I do. People are like, Oh, you got to push, push. You got to do this. You got to spend money on ads for this and advertise this. And I'm going, well, no, I, I don't have to do any of that. I, you know, yeah. the right readers are going to find my stuff at the right time. Yeah. That's how my brain works every anyway. You know, it's probably not the best business sense, but <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. It's whatever makes you happy and keeps you sane because, you know, there's a lot of great artists that have chased that. And then when they get there, they, it's always the same. I've seen that movie a hundred times. They get there and then they go, Oh, happiness doesn't come from this. So I, you know, you have to be a little bit more focused on what keeps you happy and what keeps you sane. Exactly. No, I completely agree. What keeps you happy and what keeps you sane? Because if you're not good mentally, you're not good anywhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been in those dark spots. Sounds like you've been in your own dark spots. They're not fun and you can't really do a whole lot when you're there. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's so much better to be out in the light. And so, you know, I just, I take my journey as it comes day by day. And it sounds like that's that's what you do. And I think that's a beautiful thing because then you're getting a chance to enjoy the ride. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, I think over the last few years, I was talking about we've learned a lot and changed a lot of society. I think the biggest thing that's come was the awareness of people who are struggling with mental health. And I, I think for myself, recognizing that you know, going to a hotel in a different city every weekend, that that was putting me in a, in a difficult place where I would wake up and I go, well, what do I do today? Like walk around and I guess just go to the dollar store. Like I didn't even know what to do with my days. <laughs> right. uh, and then people are like, well, that's what you need to do to be a great comedian. And then I was like, well, I don't think I want to be that great comedian then. I think I just want to uh, build locally. So I think it came, it stemmed from being aware of what, you know, makes you happy and what keeps your mental health in a, in a good place. And I think more people need to, you know, maybe more people need to be more aware of that. You know, they yeah. might, I don't know. Everybody chases their own dream in their own way. Yeah. You know, and some people love that. Everybody's on a different journey. Mine <laughs> is, you know, I always say, you know, I might be going at a turtle's pace, but I'm still going. Yeah. And that's the one that wins the race in, in the old uh, folklore. So that's right. That's right. That is, And right. that's just us. That's our version of us. And we know each other enough to know that. And I have a good friend. His name is Akeem. And he's a he's a wildcat. And he, he'll phone me from wherever. He'll be like, I'm in Indianapolis. It's great. I'm here. I'm performing. He goes, the hotel's got a bidet. He's just so excited. <laughs> and and I he love thrives that in that. He thrives yeah. in that. Apparently. And he goes, do you want to, you should come with me to the next town. And I go, no, thank you. <laughs> and some people do, they do thrive on that. Yeah. 
we're all made different for a reason, you know? Exactly. And there's, there's also a time he's, he probably won't always want to do that. No. So the season that he's in right now, he's enjoying it. Good for him. Loving That's it. awesome. Loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets excited over bidets and that's awesome too. <laughs> I mean, we all get excited over bidets. I mean, that's well, a natural surprise. Because, yeah, they're not typical in our homes here. So <laughs> at least in the United States and Canada. How long have you been doing comedy? You said about nine years. About nine years. But realistically, I mean, my whole life, I was a comic strip writer before that. I've made cartoons. Uh, I used to do improv comedy, hosting. But stand-up specifically, I, I found that sort of nine years in. And I really enjoyed that groove that I got into um, uh, doing stand-up. Uh, because of all the uh, the therapy it was giving me, the things that I could talk about. As opposed to improv, improv you got to kind of keep it lighthearted. You have to be like, uh, you know, like, hi, everyone. Like, How's everybody doing today? Which is fine. Uh, but that's a that's its own, like, you got to put on a fake face. And then sketch. I really like sketch, too. But sketch is a really hard form of comedy. Sketch comedy, of course, is like Saturday Night Live, where everyone pretends to be something and there's some sort of a twist uh and that one ended up just being too much work for me <laughs> props and costumes and then you do it and the audience they they just look at you and they're like well you had time to prepare for this this should be better so that's the toughest one uh, sketch comedy uh like I, you hear it all the time people are like saturday night live used to be funny you're like okay well it used it's to be. still funny <laughs> honestly for me my perception of it, it is not funny at all anymore and has not been for a good 20 years. You're exactly what I'm talking about. But if you were the age of the performers, you would get their humor. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just not. So back in the day when Saturday Night Live was relatively newer, that was my time. That's yeah, and yeah. I thought Which... it was absolutely hilarious. I know. But you know what's the fun part is you go back and you look at those old clips and you're like, no, nah, it's the same. It's the same. Like I watch the old Bill Murray Chevy Chase days all the time. And uh, yeah, it's the same. It's just sketch comedy. They're just talking about what's going on in society. But that's the toughest one. And when I uh, decided to try stand up, I was like, oh, this is this is unique. This is just a microphone and you. There's no props, no stage, no sound effects, nothing. You just it's so raw. And then I was like, oh, this is this is the version of comedy that I like to do. Do you ever see now you said that you you you've written or do you continue to write a comic strip? Uh, I did a couple cartoons. So I had a comic strip called Stickman Cartoon, which was in my uh, town of Edmonton's newspaper. I did that for two years. And then a few years later during COVID, we couldn't do anything. And so I after like a week, I was like, well, I got to do something. So I made two episodes of the cartoon. And it was that based off that character, Stickman who's just a you know a normal person going through society uh as it changes and it was just so fun to do during covid because uh no one knew how to react to it at that point i think a lot of people were like just shook by everything that was happening so it was fun to make jokes about that right fear it was fear it was a lot of fear my yes. character loved that there was no traffic when he was driving and he loved <laughs> He was trying, he was finding all the like silver linings. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Cause fear was trying to be force fed to us. And I was one of the people that said, no, thank you. I don't want any. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, 
I remember thinking like, okay, but I still have to be respectful of those who are fearful because fear is such a powerful tool. I didn't want to be like, oh, you're a, you know, sheep or whatever, or anything like that, because it's it's not really fair to, but, but I remember I had this joke in standup that where I said, I kept saying, no offense, no offense, no offense, <laughs> but if you, and again, no offense, but if you are very emotional about COVID, no offense, uh, nothing bad has ever happened to you before. <laughs> and about 30% of the crowd would just chuckle and yeah. the other 60 would be like, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Now fear, fear is pretty darn powerful. I found that the older folks, that's where the fear landed on the most. Yeah. Like my I mean, mother was very fearful. She's, you know, 81, my aunt late seventies, she was very fearful. And, and it, it was, it was real yeah, for them. Yeah. They were, um, and, but you know, for me, I was like, no, I'm not letting that land. And I'm not, I'm not taking what they're trying to feed me. Yeah. You know? I think it was, um, the, I think it was more the 22 year olds who were fearful where you're like, well, <laughs> it was interesting, wasn't it? It was a very interesting time. Still is to be a matter, you know, <laughs> to put it out there it still is pretty darn interesting. And at the same time, though, everyone I've talked to, there was also good came out of it. Right. You know, so many people lost their jobs, but then started doing their own thing and they're thriving. Right. Yeah. You know, things like that. There, there, it was just such a mix of good and bad, you know. Absolutely. Um, it, but it was, you know, interesting. To, and to say that that's a big, big part of history that we were a part of. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of reminds me of like when a forest fire burns down and then the soil becomes very fertile and then new growth uh, comes from it. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, no, good visual. Good visual. So with your, and I was, I want to get back to my original thought. You write, uh, you or you wrote or still write every once in a while, your cartoon strip. Have you ever thought of taking your writing uh, in a different direction, like into a book or a short ebook or things, something like that? Uh, I have, I have definitely thought about it. There's a, I was at just for laughs in Montreal recently and I was hanging out with a, a comedy club owner. I won't say their name, but they are putting together a streaming service through their comedy club. And they said, Oh, you're a writer. Could you write us a script, uh, a TV show script? And I was like, Oh yeah, I, I could probably do that. And they're like, well, what would you do? And for whatever reason, what popped in my mind, I just said it, you know, how, life can be serendipitous it's just that idea just was in my mind and I threw it at them and uh they said that's incredible and then he looked at his partner and he goes anyone ever written that before and he goes no and then they go well, why not and they go I don't know so they go can you write that for us so uh, over the last couple months I've been putting together a uh a pilot uh for um for this streaming service so we'll see what comes from it well see now look at where this whole journey of being a comedian has taken you then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just just go along for the ride. I try not yeah. to force things. And, yeah. That's how I just say strap yourself in, buckle up, buttercup, because it might be a bumpy ride, but it's still going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know who got me to go out there is my buddy, Akeem, who loves the bidets. He was like, the, you have the to bidet come. loving guy. Yeah. <laughs> you have to come to Montreal. He kept saying that you have to come. And I was like, all right, I'll come. So being friends with him was my uh, my serendipitous uh uh, moment yeah sounds like he's that little nudge that you need every once in a while oh yeah absolutely 
Yeah. And we all and need I've a friend him. like that in our lives. We all need a friend like that. <laughs> One wild child. That's right. That is right. Well, this has been so fun. So fun, John. I really appreciate you coming on with me and sharing your journey a little bit with the listeners. Now, I ask everybody, well, there are two things here. First off, uh, share with everybody where they can find out more about you. Uh, my Instagram is John, J-O-N, Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N, comedy. Uh, so I'll post all my stuff on there, all my videos and, and uh, upcoming shows. And that's that's pretty much it. That's all I got for advertising. And you've got a website? I've got a website, yeah. And I, it's got upcoming shows in there too. But that's more because uh, I'm a Canadian, so I have to work in Canada. The only time I can go to the States is for festivals. So I'll be in Paris, Texas, the second best Paris I've heard. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but then I'll be ch I'll be checking out uh, Austin and Dallas just to see what their scene is like. So I'll just be popping in and uh, seeing if I can get some spots over there, which is uh, they have to be unpaid. Right. So otherwise it's illegal because I'm an alien technically. Oh, right. You're a foreigner. I'm a foreigner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with all of that. I'm sure that will be fun. Thank you. And then I also always ask all of my guests to toss out a nugget of hope for my listeners. So what would your nugget of hope be that the listeners can tuck away and carry with them for the rest of the day? Well, I feel like this conversation just kind of created that nugget. And, and that is, um, you know, be open. I don't, I don't know what higher power exists, whether it's the universe or Buddha or God or whatever it is, but it seems like when things start working out and you just go with the flow, things really, uh, tend to to go your way so that's that's maybe the the advice that i think i've learned through just talking with you just now just relax into the journey just relax into the journey everything will be all right hopefully hopefully <laughs> <laughs> that's your little nugget of hope hopefully <laughs> i think it will you have to have that you know the power of positive thinking there is something to that i like that there is something to that. Well, John, thank you. Once again, this has been a true pleasure. I appreciate you, you know, taking part of your day to spend it with me and my listeners on Let Fear Bounce. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you very much and have a, a wonderful rest of your afternoon and I'll have a great uh, rest of my morning. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And everybody out there listening, this is Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Thanks so much for spending just a small part of your day with myself and my guest today, John. Everybody out there, be well, stay well, and be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me on Let Fear Bounce this week. New episodes upload each Wednesday, folks, so be sure that you subscribe on one of your favorite platforms that you listen on. Also, we're on YouTube, so hop on over to YouTube, folks, and subscribe there. I appreciate your support, and I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you. You are amazing. Have a beautiful day. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. Mm -hmm.